Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is Session 7 of Greatest Stories Under Told, a new weekly podcast series. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. This seventh installment is entitled, God Guides the Shunammite Woman, and all scripture is taken from the NIV. In 1935, Albert Einstein published a book called The World as I See It, and in that book he said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. That quote from the book has become pretty well known, and there is a lot of biblical precedent for the truthfulness of it. So come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's about 850 B.C., And the protege of the prophet Elijah is now the main prophet of the land. His name was Elisha. He had been there when Elijah was received up into heaven in a flaming chariot, and he had taken Elijah's mantle, which was representative of the power and presence of God, and he had his ministry mostly in northern Israel because the nation had split years before into the northern kingdom and then also Judah in the south. The king who was ruling over the northern kingdom at this time was the son of wicked King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. His name was Jehoram, and sometimes he's referred to as Joram, and he was not a godly man either. And in the book of 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, we get introduced to a very interesting character. She's never named, but the place of her residence is Shunem. So let's begin with verse 8. One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. This reminds me of the hospitality that congregations sometimes show when an evangelist comes to town. Oh, you don't need to get a hotel room. You can stay in our home. That used to be the norm. And this lady is convinced he's a man of God, and she wants to show the friendship of their family. And so their family goes to the trouble to make this room on the roof. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Don't mislead your servant, O man of God. So she had already dealt with the disappointment of not having a family. 
This was a May-December marriage, apparently. Perhaps her parents had arranged it for her because they saw that this well-to-do man would be a stable and secure husband for her. But as time went by, it occurred to her that she was never going to have a family. And that must have been a real heartbreak in that day when a woman was stigmatized if she couldn't have a child. So here is this prophet stirring up all of these dreams that she had had of being a mother and telling her that she's really going to have a son next year. And she doesn't want to be disappointed all over again, so she doesn't even really want to think about it. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. This is all very interesting. We don't know if he was six years old, or eight years old, or ten years old, but he either had meningitis or maybe an aneurysm, but suddenly a severe headache caused him to cry out. And the father, who must have been in charge of the entire operation there and was a wealthy landowner, asked a servant to take the child to the mother rather than doing it himself. And she held that boy on her lap as he perhaps cried out, maybe if it was meningitis, he had a raging fever, who knows? Maybe she rocked him, maybe she called out to God. But he finally went still, and she knew that his life was gone, and she knew that he wasn't breathing anymore. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. So here again, very interesting, she doesn't say to her husband, come home quick, our child has died. She keeps it all quiet, just asks for a vehicle so she can get to the prophet. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's all right, she said. And keep in mind that this conversation was going back and forth with a messenger who was running from one to the other because they didn't have phones, they couldn't text, and it was taking a while. She must have been very stressed because she simply wanted to get in that chariot and go. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. So I can see the servant running up to the chariot. The chariot slows down, and the servant asks the driver, Is everything okay? And he turns around and says the same thing to the woman, and instead of telling him everything on her heart, she simply faithfully affirms that it is all right. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. So this was unusual and awkward, 
And Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. We don't know why the Lord did not tell Elisha ahead of time exactly what was happening, as he had done on other occasions. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? So now it's clear to him, this is about the boy. The boy is not with her. He must have died. Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. Or if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. She doesn't want it to be enough that the servant is going to go on Elisha's behalf. She is determined that Elisha is going to come with her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out upon him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out upon him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. So this must have taken a while. He's pacing the room and he's calling on God. Maybe he's wringing his hands. Maybe he's sweating. Maybe he's kneeling down part of the time. Finally, he has this inspiration and he lays his body upon that cold, stiff corpse and he waits. And then as the body warms, he gets up and paces the room again. And then he lays on the body again. Such a strange thing to do. And then life came into that child. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. That's understated, isn't it? She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. Very interesting and wonderful story. But that's not our main focus today. We're supposed to be talking about how God guides the Shunammite. So let's move now from 2 Kings chapter 4 to 2 Kings 8. And a decade or maybe 15 years has gone by, and it appears that the woman's husband has passed away by this time. 2 Kings 8. Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and depart with your household and sojourn wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. This is wonderful news that God is watching over her to protect her from the fallout of this coming famine. He remembered the woman, and he wanted her, because her heart was whole toward him, 
to be spared these consequences. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And at the end of the seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, she went to appeal to the king for her house and her land. In other words, when she came back, Squatters had taken over the land. They were farming it. They had inhabited the house or whatever was there. And it wasn't going to be an easy thing for a widow woman to come up to them and say, hey, this is my property. You need to go away now. She needed to have some sort of legal strength behind what she said to get these people off, or they would just say, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me all the great things that Elisha has done. So are you picturing this here? It happened to be a day when that same servant of Elisha had gone to see the king in the capital city of northern Israel, which was Samaria. And this king is apparently making casual conversation with Gehazi. They're sitting perhaps on a weekday in the throne room where all of these edicts and judgments come from the king. He serves kind of like the chief justice of the Supreme Court at the same time that he is the chief executive officer of the country and also probably the chief lawgiver. And they're looking for something to talk about. And so he says to Gehazi, tell me about Elisha and some of the things that have happened in his ministry. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and her land. This is amazing timing. And you will recall that we just looked at the quote from Albert Einstein's book, where he said coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. So if you're going to tell the king about Elisha's ministry, you want to pick the highlights. And of course, one of the highlights was the raising from the dead of this Shunammite woman's son. So he's telling her about that. And apparently a servant comes to the door and knocks and says, Your Highness, there is a woman outside who would like to see you. All right, we'll send her in. What's the problem? Well, it has to do with a property matter. And so he is being asked to be a judge. And Gehazi said, My Lord, O King, here is the woman. And here is her son whom Elisha restored to life. Their conversation was interrupted. And it was the woman and her now adult son. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the timing bears the signature of the Lord God Almighty himself. So the king appointed an official for her saying, restore all that was hers together with all the produce of the fields from the day that she left the land until now. So because she has Gehazi here to corroborate everything about her life and her right to this property that she had owned before with her husband, the king is so impressed with the story and the son standing there that had been raised from the dead that he appointed 
some sort of a deputy to go with her, military reinforcements perhaps, to go and say to the people that were squatting on that property, you have to leave now, and whatever money you have made off of this property for the last seven years, you must pay her. Psalm 31.15 says, My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. I am reminded now of a book that was on the New York Times bestseller list. It was written by Dr. Mary C. Neal, who is a spine surgeon, and it was published in 2011. It's the story of her miraculous recovery from being underwater for 30 minutes. But at the end of the book, she says, my life experiences would argue against the concepts of coincidence and luck. It would support the belief that there is only the guiding presence and plan of God who uses his assortment of angels and messengers to lead us and communicate with us. What a biblical conclusion to come to after seeing the way the Lord beautifully orchestrates all of the circumstances of your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. There are other examples of the Lord directing people's paths during times of blessing and during times of trials. You may recall that Abraham's servant was sent to find a wife for Isaac, and at the very moment that he walked up to a well to water his camels, the future wife of Isaac, Rebekah, walked up, and he knew she was the right one. You may recall that Pharaoh's butler remembered that Joseph, who was in prison, could interpret dreams at the very time that Pharaoh had a dream that desperately needed an interpretation for the future well-being of all of Egypt and the surrounding areas. You may recall that Esther's cousin that raised her, Mordecai, listened in on a plot to kill King Ahasuerus, and he was able to foil that plot by exposing it, and it was written into history, and at just the right time, the king became aware of it as Mordecai's enemy, Haman, was planning to have Mordecai killed. You may also recall that God guided Mary and Joseph as they went to Bethlehem for the census before the birth of Christ, and then as they fled to Egypt because Jesus' life was at risk. There are times in trials, too, that the Lord is orchestrating the circumstances. Job's tragedies were for a purpose that he could not understand, and they all occurred on the very same day, but the Lord got glory out of all of that and restored to him what had been lost. Moses was born during a time of infanticide in Egypt, but the Lord's timing was perfect. A big fish or whale was prepared by the Lord at exactly the right moment when Jonah went overboard during the terrible storm so that his life was preserved when he thought he would drown. And even Jesus in his trials of temptation 
right after his 40-day fast, faced a difficult time when he was tempted to turn stones to bread at the very time when he was at the point of starvation. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 37.23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. The bottom line is, we can trust God with the timing of the good and the bad events of our life and become fully convinced that He will use those for His honor and glory. One more quote from To Heaven and Back by Dr. Mary C. Neal. It is written in Hebrews 11.1 NIV, Faith is being sure of what we hoped for and certain of what we do not see. Martin Luther King Jr. translated this into the world of action when he stated, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Can you trust God with the timing of the events in your life? If this message has been a blessing to you, pass it along. 